1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: When it comes to radio, AMP hits different. AMP is a free live radio app where anyone can hop on the mic and play the music they love. From hip hop to house music to heavy metal, discover new to you tracks and playlists made by music lovers who know what's good. And that includes you. Jump in the chat or call in to share your taste and add your own picks to the mix. Download AMP, that's A-M-P, for free in the App Store or go to onamp.com. Enjoy quality homemade meals without the hassle. With Chef, you can choose from thousands of authentic dishes prepared with care by the best local cooks in your community, all made with fresh ingredients and delivered right to your door. It's like your own personal chef with an unbeatable variety. Explore cuisines from over ninety different countries, from Mexico to Thailand and more at Chef.com. That's Chef with an S.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Twelve Days of Christmas, where we will drive your sleigh tonight, honey. I am Dame Brian J. Moylan, and I am here today with Everything Iconic, podcaster, ghostwriter of classy AF cocktails, the author of How Do I Unremember This?, which comes out in March, and you should pre-order for all of your friends birthday birthday gifts for all of your friends christmas gifts it's danny pellegrino danny merry christmas merry
3: christmas brian i'm so happy to be here to talk you know it's my favorite topic of conversation aside from housewives is probably christmas movies i love a christmas movie
2: We are going to um, combine the two a little bit later, because I know that everybody who's listening to us is probably listening because they're Housewives fans of (laughs) of yours and mine. So, you know.
3: We'll find the connections between The Grinch and Housewives, for sure.
2: Yes. So, usually I ask everybody if they're a Christmas person, but you are obviously... A huge Christmas person.
3: Yes, I love the holidays. I'm a holiday junkie. I have like a spin-off holiday podcast where I cover holiday movies just because I love it so, so much. And I love all sorts of holiday movies. I love the big, bombastic kind of Jim Carrey Grinch thing. But then I also love like a Hallmark movie, a Lifetime movie, like the very traditional, uh, you know exactly what you're getting. They're just pleasant. Every movie is a carbon copy of the other one. So I, I like them all, but... Uh, I, yeah, I'm a holiday junkie.
2: But that said, do you have a favorite Hallmark movie? Because I know what mine is.
3: Oh, I, I really liked one recently called Mingle All the Way. I thought it was like. sort of a take on this Tinder app, but it was like a new Christmassy dating app. I really like that one. I always say, like, Lacey Chabert, Danica McKellar from The Wonder Years, and Candace Cameron Beret, they always get, like, the best scripts on Hallmark, because they're the most famous within that genre. So I think, like, their movies tend to be the best within those bunches. But I'm also very, it's very important to me to have, like, a really hot male lead. And so I like when they throw, like, a a Trevor Donovan in there or like someone who's just like really, really hot to look at. Um, I think that's super important. Luke McFarlane. Luke McFarlane. He did one where he was like a hot hockey player last season. I forget the name of it, but that was great. So yeah. Luke, and Luke McFarlane's doing the Billy Eichner movie, which I'm super excited about. Cause he's like so hot and yeah, I'm I, I, I wish they would let him do a gay Hallmark movie, but they've only had one and it's was like only sort of a gay, but. <laughs>
2: Isn't he in the single all the way, the Michael Yuri gay Netflix Christmas movie? Yes,
3: he's in the Netflix one, which I think he had to jump ship from Hallmark because Hallmark was up casting him as a straight male lead, which that's a great thing, too. But I'm happy that now he's going right. to be able to be a, a gay male holiday lead because, yeah, he's very hot.
2: My favorite Hallmark movie is called North Pole. I'm sure you've seen it. The female lead is Tiffany Amber Thiesen, if she still has three names. And it's if. like about some weird girl elf who goes to a small town and needs to convince them to throw a Christmas party and tiffany amber is like a reporter and she falls in love with her kids teacher who's played by not josh charles he was on he was like the hot guy on cougar town
3: um oh yeah yeah um who was by the way he was also the male lead in the Kristen chenoweth holiday movie which i think was lifetime not hallmark but it was the 12 dates of christmas where it's about a hot male calendar, and that's a great one, too.
2: I mean, it's shirtless dudes in holiday movies. Well,
3: and I think that's what sets a lot of the Lifetime ones apart, because Hallmark, you'll, you'll always get fully clothed. I think really, like, the most scandalous Hallmark has ever been was when they had that Luke McFarlane movie, where it was like he was in gray sweatpants. But otherwise, it's like you're getting fully clothed. But Lifetime will take off the blouses. There was one where Nick Zano played, like, a sexy Santa, which was a Lifetime one. So they'll get a little <sighs> bit more risque than Hallmark will. And I like that.
2: Is there someone that you would cast as a shirtless lead in a Christmas movie? Do you have like an ideal actor who you would want to put in one of these roles?
3: I would cast like only male models. Like I would, I would. Make sure the female lead, I think, needs to be a good actor. Like, I think, or at least, like, an actor. They don't have to be a good actor, but they should be an actor. But to me, the male lead, like, let's just throw a hot male model. Like, there's this guy, Chad White. Like, let's put him in one. I don't care that he can't act. Like, just take off the top and and sing me a jingle bell. Like, I don't care.
2: <laughs> exactly. Chad White should never have a shirt on through the entire movie. Never. Never. I feel that way about, like, Gus Kenworthy. Like, I would put Gus Kenworthy in my Christmas movie, and he's not, like, a great actor, but... Doesn't matter. Girl, I'd watch him for an hour and a half with no top on.
3: Right. I love a sexy Santa, too. So it's like, just give me that in these movies.
2: What about christmas theme pornography?
3: Oh, I love it. Love it. Big fan, yeah. How about you? Same,
2: yeah, same. Just, just checking in. Yeah. Other than Christmas-themed pornography, do you have any Christmas obsessions that other people are like, "Girl, you're weird"?
3: Oh, I love. Last season, I got really into the gnomes. Like, I don't know if you've seen at like home <laughs> Home Goods, they started doing like a lot of gnome work, where it was like there was a whole section of like holiday-themed gnomes. And it, just for home decor. And I got really into those. Not that I got a ton of them, but I do. I did really enjoy that last holiday season. And then when I was a kid, I used to collect snow globes. So I had a bunch of snow globes in my house or in my room. And I would take them out. Of, they were mostly Christmas snow, snow globes. And so I would bring those out. And I, that was an obsession of mine. Yeah. How about you?
2: Um, well, I used to be a professional gift wrapper. So I'm like super into gift wrapping like for all year round i love to wrap a gift i have all these tricks and fancy papers and like cool shit i can do and they had a gift wrapping reality competition show a couple years ago called rap battle and i applied to be on it and they're like oh you're perfect blah 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 and we were talking about casting me and then they were like okay well we're gonna fly you from new york and i was like oh no i live in london and they're like oh we're not springing for an international ticket oh, i would have loved to seen that so, I know I know so I so obviously Christmas is like the time for me to really get into gift wrapping but the past few years we've been traveling for Christmas and so I don't get to bring all my stuff and I remember as a kid hearing that Candy Spelling had a a gift wrapping room in her house and being like that's dumb who would want a gift wrapping room in their house and now Now that's all all I want is a house big enough (laughs) that I can have I love that like Candy Spelling's gift wrapping room in it you know
3: I used to work at a Borders Books on the holidays and I I was terrible at gift wrapping and everyone would always be so upset when I would gift wrap their their goods because it just looked like shit and I I still to this day like I suck at gift wrapping. A couple years ago I tried to really like lean into it and get good at it and it's still Everything just looked like shit. I was like, what am I doing this for? I'm spending so much time and everyone's just looking at it like, what is What is this piece of shit you just gave me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm in Los Angeles, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to bring some Please. gift wrap. I'll give you a whole tutorial. We'll wrap books. We'll practice.
3: I need all the help I can get.
2: So, we are here today to talk about one of your favorite Christmas movies, and that is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey oh, version.
3: I love it. I love it. It's so absurd. One of the most absurd things that's ever been put onto film. <laughs> and I know that it was like a big hit, and and I am happy that it was a big hit, and it was so much money was thrown into it but there's so much absurdity not only within the film I mean I could talk about like the baby version of the Grinch or the young version of the Grinch for hours because it's one of the most crazy things because obviously they had to stretch this small children's book into a feature film which is not a normal way to write a movie but then also I love the lore of the Grinch and the and the filming and the behind the scenes of it all because it was like Jim Carrey was coming off of Man on the Moon where he was like terrorizing people on set and allegedly it sort of was also happening here on the Grinch. And so I love all of that kind of stuff, too, because it's insane that here he was filming this kid's Christmas movie and apparently nuts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw it? Because I saw it, the only time I saw it before rewatching it to talk to you about it was I saw it when it came out and I went to this theater in Washington, D.C. It's called the Uptown Theater. And it's like a big, huge, old movie theater with a giant screen. Only one screen. It has a balcony. And it's just an amazing theater. And so I went there with a friend of mine um, who since passed away. But whatever. Uh, we got there. At least your like, friend. There's no heat in the theater. <laughs> At least your
3: friend got to see this masterpiece before.
2: Uh... Exa- right. Exa- so, you know, sh- sh- her life was. Silver so lining. But so we got to the theater. And they're like, there's no heat in the theater. So we're just, like, sitting in this theater in Washington in the wintertime in, like, our winter coats, freezing cold. We were the only two people in the theater (laughs) watching The Grinch. It was kind of an insane experience. You know, I
3: imagine that's what the cast felt like when they had to sit in hair and makeup for 45 hours to just film. You know, like, (laughs) I always think of the extras and they had to put all that shit on their face and, like, get in these big costumes. And it's like, they'll be in the background, like, far in the background, and they had to do all of that. Like, that's crazy to me.
2: So, a little bit of info on the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch for listeners at home. It's obviously based on the 1957 book by Dr. Seuss, uh, and this is his first book to ever be made into a feature film. Um, It was directed in 2000 by Ron Howard, with a script by Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman Yes, that's his real name. So the reason why this is the first book made into a movie is because Dr. Seuss never wanted to sell the film rights. And so then after he died in 1991, his widow decided to cash in and she said, I'll sell you the rights for the Grinch. It'll cost you $5 million, 4% of the profits, 50% of merchandise tie-ins, and 70% of any affiliated book sales. She also... Good for her. She had all these people coming courting her to get them to sell the rights and she also wanted script approval and she wanted cast approval and she wanted somebody like Jack Nicholson Robin Williams or Dustin Hoffman to star as the (sighs) The budget of the movie was 123 million dollars and it made 345 million dollars worldwide so the widow made an additional 14 million dollars on top of the 5 million dollars for the rights she sold the film this was, along with Home Alone, the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time until it was beat in 2018 by the animated version of The Grinch Who Sold Christmas, the like new, bigger, longer, and uncut version, I guess. It currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 49% and did win an Oscar
3: for Best Makeup. Okay. I mean, I. I first of all, I love all of that. I love that the widow was cashing in and she deserves the money. And I can only imagine what she like total made off of the Grinch because you're right, there was just the animated version, which she had to have made a, a pretty penny on. And then yeah. it must have sold so many more books. Every time this is like put into the universe, it just sells more and more books. And so I mean, good for her, I think. I also do think it deserved the makeup thing. But I actually think, like, all the people who had to put on that fucking makeup deserved an Academy Award because it seems like a nightmare.
2: Absolutely. And what do you think of the final effect of the makeup?
3: Uh, You know, I remember Jim Carrey was on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and he had worn... The the um the hand, it was like they, they came out with gloves that were like the fingers and everything like that yes. so I, I always kind of feel like the makeup and the costuming and sort of the prosthetics and everything are combined in my head uh, but I think they're good I think he looks good I have more of a problem with his voice, like I don't love the voice that he did and I forget what he said he based it on Jim Carrey, but to me it's just like a little bit, uh, it's weird Am I just eating because I'm bored? He made such a strong choice, but it was the wrong choice. That's how I feel. Now, people are listening probably disagreeing. But it was like, it reminded me of when I heard Tom Hardy as Bane, where it was like a very strong yes. vocal choice. And everyone applauded it, but I kind of saw it like, what are we doing here? Like, what's, what is that voice?
2: So while I was reading in preparation for this, doing some research, like you said, Jim Carrey was kind of a dick on set, and apparently it took him like, eight hours or something ridiculous to get into the makeup and I was surprised that there was so much makeup and you could still see his face moving like that I thought was you know good makeup but supposedly he got so mad about the makeup he was like kicking holes in the wall of the trailer and like terrorizing the makeup artist and finally Ron Howard the director had to come and be like um Jim you need to take it easy because this person is about to quit and we need them so you need to stop being such an asshole
3: and look I know he made millions and millions of dollars for the this role but still i couldn't even imagine the mental emotional torture of sitting in a chair for eight hours and i would get claustrophobic just in that whole setup and but i know he made millions of dollars and it's no excuse for him to be a fucking dick to the makeup people but it seems like it'd be hard
2: so would you give us a rundown of the plot of the jim carrey version of the grinch Soul christmas yeah
3: i think um you know the the Movie is obviously stretched out, like we said, because that book is so small. But we open with this town, we get to know Whoville, there's people like Molly Shannon, Christine Baranski in the world of Whoville. So they pad out the feature by using this like whole idea of like decorating the town and who's who's more Christmassy. And then we learn more about the Grinch's backstory. So there's this whole little detour where we spend a lot of time with the Grinch as a child and get to know how the, the child was raised. And And that, to me, is the craziest... Part of it all.
2: A hundred billion percent.
0: We were having our annual holiday get-together. It was morning before anybody realized that he was out there. The poor dear...
3: I don't think the movie needed it. Because it also, the movie is, like, surprisingly long. And it's like, why did you pad it out to make it longer? Like
2: It's an hour and 45 minutes, give or take. And the whole first hour is just weird, random shit in this backstory. And then the last 45 minutes, it starts to get to the book. And you have Anthony Hopkins doing the voiceover and reading the poem and, and the Grinch delivering all the lines from the book. And then you're like, okay, girl, I get it. But yeah, the whole first hour, what the you're fuck? like
3: what the know. fuck is this? <laughs> and that the best part of the whole movie is the stuff that's just the book. It's like everything else is so absurd and bizarre. Yeah. And I don't know, uh, I, I had talked about this on my show, I don't know if you've seen, but there are in that flashback of The Grinch, there are those little versions of The Grinch, and people sell them on Etsy. Like, people sell doll versions of Baby Grinch, and they're the scariest things you'll ever see in your whole life. Like, I need everyone listening to go onto Etsy and just type in Baby Grinch, and you'll see these crazy children's dolls of that flashback Grinch. And and they're so frightening, I couldn't even imagine having one in your house. But look it up on Etsy.
2: So I was watching the movie, and The Grinch is essentially naked for most of it. And I was like, what the Grinch doesn't have junk. Like where's the Grinch's junk. I, you know, how do the who's and the Grinches reproduce. And then we find out in the backstory, they actually don't like the babies are in little baskets and they fall from the sky and that's how they get babies. And the Grinch was stuck like in a tree and he was supposed to go to this house with these two, maybe, or maybe not lesbians. I don't know. He had two mommies and the mommies were having a key party and so they left him the out key a party, night, and that's why the Grinch the hates key. Christmas because they were having a Christmas the key tea party. party. You see them put all their keys into I know, a
3: bowl. It's, it's all, the whole thing is so fucking weird. It's so weird, and I think there a lot of people, especially like around our age. I think a lot of people have an emotional attachment because they saw it at a young age and they really liked it or whatever. If you step back and look at all of these weird pieces, like the key party, the baby version, and all this stuff, it is not good.
2: so the Grinch's other initial trauma is that he goes to school and everyone makes fun of him because he looks like a Grinch and they look like Who's and he's in love with Martha May Who who will eventually be played by homosexual icon Christine Baranski they tell everybody they have to bring a gift for somebody in the class and so he makes this gift for Martha May
3: Merry Christmas Martha May (laughs) why do you have a bag on your head? Probably because he's embarrassed by that idiot or his gift.
2: Everybody laughs at him, and that's when he decides to leave the town forever and basically go live in the dump. Like, he's one of those, like, people who lives in a landfill.
3: Right. And I just don't know that we needed to know, like, how he became the Grinch. Like, I just think, yeah, he was the Grinch. Do we really need to know exactly how or why?
2: Right. His heart was born two sizes too small. That's enough. Do you need more?
3: Yeah, that's enough to me.
2: And then obviously he goes, steals Christmas from everybody, saves Christmas from everybody, they live happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. You get all the stuff
3: from the book. Did you see the animated version? The newer one? I have
2: not seen the animated version. They do
3: a much better job, I think, of like padding out the story and like not making it so weird and everything. They learn from their mistakes, but the animated version just hand, handles it all like way, way better. But a lot of people, there's like a, a lot of Grinch fans who felt like the the animated version wasn't mean enough. Like the character wasn't as nasty as he should have been.
2: Um, did you think this Grinch was too
3: nasty? No, no, I didn't think it was too nasty. I think that's, that is the point of the character. Um, yeah, no, I Did you?
2: I don't think so but I was looking at some of the initial reviews and they were saying that it was too dark. It was too dark. And I don't think it's any darker than the Grinch ever is. I mean, there's a scene where he's really mean to Cindy Lou Who when he first meets her. You're the, 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 the,
1: the, the. the Grinch.
2: But then she falls into some machine and she's going to die and he saves her. And so, you know, it's like he's never, like, homicidal or horrible. He just kind of wants to screw shit up. But he, they invite him to the town to receive this award and he finally thinks that they're going to recognize him. And then they end up making fun of him. It's kind of like a carry pig's blood moment and he does end up like setting the christmas tree on fire and blowing the town up, which (laughs) (laughs) seems a little
3: collateral damage you know that uh, that scene you talked about with cindy lou who i think it's the the mail room scene right where they're getting mail the other thing i want to mention is so it's shot so weirdly and i know it's ron howard who's a brilliant director and everything but the way that the camera angles are and everything where they're they're sort of they're just in a weird framing, and I always found that to be really strange about this movie too and I don't know if it was like by design because the sets were so weird or he wanted to pick up certain things, but sometimes it's like, oh, the camera's like on the floor shooting diagonally up. It's just as weird to me.
2: Yeah, it's very, it seems very of its time somehow. Like, it feels very early 2000s, like all these kids are about to drop Molly and go to a rave. Like, it seems like they could also be the cast of Go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Matthew Lillard's going to peel off his his makeup and just be like, hey, it's the Scooby-Doo movie, kids.
0: Santa? What? Don't
3: forget the Grinch. I know he's mean and hairy and smelly.
1: His hands might be cold and clammy, but I think he's actually kind of sweet.
2: What do you think of Taylor Momsen, who would later go on to star in Gossip Girl as Cindy Lou Who? Well, I think
3: knowing what we know now about Taylor Momsen and how she is really in real life, it's fun to see her in this young, innocent, sweet little Cindy Lou Who role. I like her.
2: With And her haircut looks like a trophy that's on Upside Down. It looks like she's wearing an Upside Down trophy on her head.
3: I mean, it, it's, they it's, really took some creative liberties with all of the hair, the costuming and everything. And even the song, I think we should spend at least like 45 minutes talking about this song on uh, the soundtrack with Faith Hill. Because her hair in that music video where it's crimped, to me, is like such yes. a, a part of its time. And that music video is shot the same way with like the diagonal framing and everything.
2: Did you know that the song was written by Mariah Carey? I sure
3: did. And actually, when Mariah Carey was on Watch What Happens Live last year, I wrote in a question. Because I've always wondered—you know, Mariah is my number one. I love her. But I've always wondered if there is a version of that, ex- that exists. So Andy asked her if she has a copy of it. And she said she does have a version— Uh, of that song that she recorded that she needs to find in her vault but I'm always hopeful that she'll release it or something because yeah it's like I mean it's a great Christmas song and it was a big hit and so I would love to hear Mariah's version of it because I think she deserves since she wrote it
2: It's called Where Are You Christmas and Cindy Lou Who sings it in the movie and she does not sing it well
1: No find you why have
2: you gone away It's like obviously a 10-year-old singing a song but couldn't you have gotten Leah Michelle or like somebody to <laughs> And by
3: the way that whole thing <laughs> You know
2: we've heard Britney Spears sing when she was 10 she sounded way better than that
3: this. whole thing also is more padding cuz i feel like that song is just extended just for more minutes in the movie like i don't think they needed that song
2: my favorite part of the Grinch has always been the Fahu Forest Doris song so I'm glad that everyone got a chance to sing that even though there are these two really creepy who's that are only like a foot tall
3: <laughs> oh my god!
2: And so they're all in a circle, and then there are these two like miniature Who's. and I'm like, what is going on with the physics of this place that you just have two random tiny Who's?
3: <laughs> you know, my favorite, my favorite musical moment is, of course, you're a mean one, Mister Grinch.
2: Yes,
1: you're a mean one, Mister Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black beard.
2: Do you have a favorite diva pop Song, Christmas song.
3: I love all Mariah. I think aside from "All I Want for Christmas Is You," I think her "Oh Santa, which was like a newer one, is great. I love her "Christmas Baby, Please Come Home." I think mean, Kelly Clarkson's Christmas album is great. <laughs> My
2: favorite is the Karen Carpenter Merry Christmas Darling.
3: That's my mom's like all time favorite. My mom is like obsessed with that Carpenter's Christmas album. I
0: wish you Merry Christmas.
2: Oh, my God. It is so good. And I love a depressing Christmas song. And that is the most depressing Christmas song. And I worked in a store in Times Square one Christmas when I first moved to New York. It was this awful, like, craft store. And the only good song on their Christmas CD that was on constant rotation was the Karen Carpenter. And I would just, like, stop it over. I was doing and like, sing
3: along Oh, I love Christmas. It's so much. important to have a melancholy Christmas song. And I always get upset when I hear that song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yes. You know, there's two versions of that. There's the one with the muddling through. Yeah. And then there's ones, they had recorded a new version of it because they felt like muddling through was too dark and sad. And it's like, I like that.
1: Until.
3: and i get mad when they don't the pop girls don't do the muddling through it it pisses me off
2: i completely agree you need to muddle through and it, the muddling through is the original superior judy garland version and they re-recorded right. it with the inferior frank sinatra version which i think really says a lot about american culture in general if we yeah and boil judy's it down.
3: version of it is so stunning and haunting and and sad and dark and yeah it's like oh man they just they ruined the song by running it through that filter of like oh this is too dark well
2: we're gonna take a little break and then we're gonna come back and talk more about jim carrey's the grinch
0: Enjoy quality homemade meals without the hassle. With Chef, you can choose from thousands of authentic dishes prepared with care by the best local cooks in your community, all made with fresh ingredients and delivered right to your door. It's like your own personal chef with an unbeatable variety. Explore cuisines from over 90 different countries from Mexico to Thailand and more at chef.com. That's chef with an s.com.
2: back to the 12 gates of christmas i am dame brian moylan i am here with podcaster extraordinaire danny pellegrino my favorite christmas person and danny i would like for you to play a little game with me are you ready to play a game
3: i'm always ready yes
2: okay this is a game i am calling naughty or nice and we are gonna go through a list of some real housewives and you tell me if they're on the naughty list this year or if they're on the nice list this year
3: okay let's go
2: the first one headline making housewife Jen Shaw
1: roll your eyes and look over there one more time I'll drown you bitch
3: oh she's on the naughty list for sure for sure yeah I mean and also yeah she's maybe yeah she's in jail naughty list (laughs) yeah we'll see she might even be in jail by the time this is released TBD
2: her castmate Heather Gay
3: Oh, nice list! I love Heather Gay.
2: I love Heather Gay too, and I feel like Heather Gay would give you good Christmas at her house, like
3: hundred percent, yeah. And she's a home goods junkie too, so I know she would have like a good, a good display of decoration.
2: She would have more than one gnome, more than one holiday gnome,
3: for sure, for sure.
2: Candace Dillard,
1: this filthy milkmaid,
3: naughty list for sure. Candace, you know, I, I started to warm up to her earlier in the season of Potomac, but. You know, she loses me sometimes. She's got, and I love her, I love what she brings to the show, but she's got this, she's got a a very harsh way of saying things, so I can't necessarily put her on the nice list.
2: I agree. And the next one I think a lot of people might disagree about, and it is Karen Huger.
3: She's always on my nice list. I love her.
2: She's on my nice list too, but she drives me crazy.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. She's like one of the few housewives, you know, how you just put up like blinders on for certain people. Yes. And to me, it's just like, I have that with her more than I think. Any- I used to have that with Ramona Singer, and I've turned on her completely. But I think Karen Huger to me is my number one of just like, I know she does things. She doesn't says things that are problematic. I get that. But I can't help but love her.
2: Her arch nemesis, Giselle Bryant.
3: She's naughty list to me. I'm not a big I Giselle is so needed for the show, but I she bugs me and I think that goes back to my Karen Huger because I got the blinders for Karen and so it's hard for me to like Giselle.
2: I have the blinders for Giselle and I think that there are two types of people in this world. There are Giselle Bryants and there are Karen Hugers and it's totally. nice to know where we fall on this divide, Danny Pellegrino.
3: I think we can both agree that they're both necessary.
2: A hundred percent. And they are both excellent practitioners of the reality, television, arts, and sciences. And that's what we yes. need. What about Real Housewives icon, needy Leakes?
0: Close your legs to married men. Wow.
3: Oh, I'd say let I would put her on the nice list. You know, I miss her on the show. I think the... I think the show misses her. I got to—I I didn't love Nini towards the end of her run, only because I feel like we saw how good she can be as a housewife, and yes. I think she was tr- sort of checked out at the end. I don't think she w- her heart was really in it, even. And so, uh, but uh, enough time has passed where I'm like, oh man, I miss her, and I just would like to see her somewhere.
2: Absolutely, and I feel like with her husband Greg dying, she's been going through a lot. So Nini. You can be on the nice list, even though I was with you. I was like, "Fire Nini," but now i um, I've come to peace with it.
3: Sometimes we need a little time away from these people, and then we learn. Oh yeah, I, I loved them.
2: Uh, you mentioned Ramona Singer; she's on the naughty list, I assume.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to just she used to be my favorite housewife, and then somewhere along the way, it just became too much. I always knew she was like good bad or or bad good. I, um, I like. I always just thought she was a great housewife. Yes. And then now I'm just sort of tired of it all. I don't know.
2: Do you have a new favorite?
3: Yeah, Karen Karen Huger. She's my new favorite. Yeah.
2: My favorite is Sonia Morgan. Would you put her on the naughty list or the nice list?
3: No, this is controversial, and I know people get mad at me. I'm tired of Sonya Morgan shtick. And as much as I love her, and I think she's great, as you say, a wonderful floozy. I think. It's just, I'm tired of seeing the same thing over and over. And I actually do feel like it's not good for her. And we're all just sort of watching her be such a mess. And I want her to get to be normal. And I think so much of it is probably an act for the show. I get that. But it's just like, oh, I'm tired of seeing her that drunk and everything. And by the way, if she goes anywhere, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll miss her. (laughs) <laughs> I will totally change my tune if she does go. She's
2: my absolute favorite, and I wrote in my recaps this year that, you know, I don't mind seeing her wasted all the time, but it used to seem like she'd get wasted and have fun, and it doesn't seem like she's having fun anymore, and she, like, emailed me and was like, I can't believe you wrote that! And I was like, well, Sony, are you having fun anymore? And then she didn't respond. But, um... Yeah. <laughs>
3: How often does a uh, Housewife message you about something like that? Very rarely.
2: The, uh, I got an open letter from Ebony K. Williams about oh right about my recaps this year i heard from sonia because we're like friendly i guess i would see her out and we follow each other on social media and then the only other time i heard from somebody was lisa vanderpump got mad at me for accusing her of lying about her age
3: (sighs) what did she she wrote you about it
2: she twittered or did you hear
3: through the grapevine oh interesting
2: do you ever hear from anybody
3: I'm not directly but sometimes I'll like try to get someone on the show or something and it's like clear they don't want to do it because they don't like anything I say but I yeah the Beverly Hills not the wives but like I feel like I don't know if it's the PR people or the wives, but one of them doesn't like me. Like someone along, someone on that side of things does not like me. I, I, I start to worry and maybe I get a little crazy in my head, but I think like they all got together and decided like, we're not doing Danny's show. And I just had Kyle on, but it was because she was on the Halloween movie. And so the, the Halloween people reached out to me, but I feel like there's a, something with the Beverly Hills don't like me. And maybe I'm making that up in my head, but that's how I feel.
2: Is Kyle on the naughty list or the nice list?
3: And she she's on the nice list to me, but I know people hate Kyle, but I and I and I sort of like her and I get that. I know that that's controversial.
2: I used to hate Kyle, but I've come around and I feel like Kyle is one of the few housewives I would actually be friends with.
3: Yeah, I actually think Kyle's more. She's messy on the show and I think she does self-produce and people get mad at that a lot. And she doesn't just
2: self-produce. She's producing the whole damn thing. <laughs> she
3: is. And it's like, I think that's when I, when I started to realize that, I think that's when I came around to her because I didn't like her either for the longest time. And then now I think I see the way she pushed Sutton, which I get, like I'm on team, I know you're more team Erica, I'm team Sutton on it. But I liked that Kyle was, was trying to make something happen. Because without, that, without Kyle trying to make something happen, I feel like we would all just been staring at each other. And so I appreciated that of Kyle.
2: But it's also interesting to see Kathy Hilton doing the same kind of producing that Kyle does. And so I don't know if it's Kathy, Kyle taught it's Kathy in their blood. what to do, or there's just something in those Richard's jeans that makes them like that. I don't know. Because Kim never did it.
3: Yeah, Kim never did it. I I think, though, that show is really... I I was just saying on my show, like the Richards family will be here long after all the other housewives have gone. Like I think the Richards... Lisa Brenna will be off the show. Erica will be off the show. Any of them. Dorit, they'll all be off the show, but we'll still be having the Richards family drama. And I think that's what the show is at its core. Even though this past season was all uh, Erica Jane stuff, it's like... I think long after all these other people are gone, we're going to be seeing Kath, Kim, and Kyle on there with some other women around them.
2: So do you think we should bring Kim back?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm dying for – I don't know that she should be back full time. I know she's got a lot going on, you know, that maybe it wouldn't be great to see her, but I I would love to see at least like a couple scenes with her and the the two sisters because I'm, I'm curious about that dynamic.
2: As great as the Richards are as housewives, many people praised Jim Carrey's performance
3: in The Grinch.
2: What do you think of it? Did you like that transition a, also? I mean, what a
3: segue! I loved it. Thank you. Uh, I think. I don't like the voice. I think that's what really holds me back from giving it a 10 out of 10. Otherwise, I think, yeah, how many people could have done that? I don't know that many. Jack Nicholson, you mentioned, was like one of the people that the Seuss wanted. And it's, he would have never sat through makeup for that amount of time no. to do anything. Like, could you imagine Dustin I feel like,
2: Hoffman? My God.
3: No. And I mean, those kind of guys, like I think of Jack Nicholson in Something's Gotta Give. And oftentimes it looked like he just rolled out of his trailer. He, no one even combed his hair on set because he's just like wanted to film it. And so there's no way that they would have or Dustin Hoffman would have sat through that. So I feel like there's not many people that could have done it. And saying, I say that as someone who was like, I was obsessed with Jim Carrey as a kid. Like I thought he was the most brilliant, as I think most young men of a certain age, like everything he did was the best. And so I loved him, but I just can't get around to the voice.
2: I always had the same problem with Jim Carrey that I had with Robin Williams in that it all seemed like a little too much. And I felt that way Mm. about his Grinch where it seemed like to pad the movie out... They just had Jim Carrey making noises and making faces for minutes on end. And you're never sure what he's doing or exactly what he's trying to convey. He's always just like, (laughs) like making all these crazy noises and doing all this stupid shit and making these inventions. And I was just like, Oh my God, I can't with you, any of you. But I also agree with you that, I mean, who else are you going to get to do it? Like Henry Cavill couldn't play the Grinch. Like, so no,
3: you know, I always think of Tim Curry in Home Alone 2. You know, there's that one scene where he does the smile and they sort of allude to him. They, they make it, they give him like a Grinch close up. And when I was a kid, before this version of the Grinch came out, I remember always thinking like he would be perfect as the Grinch.
2: He would have been perfect as the Grinch. I have yeah. never seen him be bad in anything.
3: He's so good. I w- But he just was never, you know, famous enough. But I really think that he could have done it if they would have given him the chance. Tim Curry could have done it. Okay, hear me out, though. Like, what if, what if, uh, like, a Bette Midler? Are we just ruling out the women? Because we saw how Bette could vamp it up in Hocus Pocus. And I so, mean, you know, that could be a choice.
2: You are not wrong. Or like, a Rebel Wilson Grinch?
3: Mm-hmm. Hers, to me, would <laughs> be like, too, like, sarcastic no. <laughs> Hers would be too, it would be too sarcastic
2: What about a Kristen Wiig Grinch?
3: Oh, I could roll with that. She was in the animated version. I could roll or like a Maya Rudolph. I'd love to. I think Maya Rudolph could do really good.
2: You're right that we why can't we have a Lady Grinch? Why does the Grinch need to be a man?
3: There's no as you said, there's no gender attached to these people in the film. So yeah, we can get anyone in there. Christine Baranski. Let's let her get a crack at the Grinch.
2: Christine Baranski was so good in this movie, and I feel like both she and Molly Shannon were completely wasted.
3: I know. I know. I know. I love Molly Shannon, too. And it was like, what are they doing in here? There was that one scene I think they had. And part of me almost thinks that like maybe they signed on and their roles were supposed to be bigger, and then they started doing—I imagine so many of the actors started doing the hair and makeup, and then— they realized like, oh shit! I don't want to be in this. So their agents called and were like, "How do we get you out of this?" And so they just cut their scenes.
2: <laughs> I feel like they were rewriting the script until the day they were shooting. Like it just see the whole, like you mentioned, the whole thing just seems totally crazy and chaotic.
3: Totally. And I love Ron Howard, but this movie is like a weird Ron Howard movie.
2: It just seems like a weird amusement park ride.
3: Uh, I mentioned also that Jim Carrey was on the Rosie O'Donnell show with the gloves, and I'd love to see Rosie play the Grinch.
2: I mean, not a bad... I feel like Rosie might be a little bit of, of the Grinch in IRLs.
3: I I feel like she'd be really good at it, wouldn't she? Yeah, she would be good at it.
2: Do you think the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch is a gay movie?
3: No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I might, I mean, I think the Molly Shan and Christine Bransky of it all does push it over the edge, as well as the Faith Hill Ballad that they play. Yeah. So maybe a little bit. I, th- I think they definitely threw those things in for the gays. Yeah, they said this one's for the gays.
2: Do you think the Grinch's mothers are lesbians?
3: Yes. Do you?
2: I think I am choosing to believe that they are lesbians, but I think they want us to believe they're spinster sisters or something like that. Right.
3: One of them is my friend Mindy Sterling. Really? Who was in the Austin Powers. Yeah, she was like a teacher of mine, and she's uh, yeah, she's great, yeah. Danny Pellegrino,
2: thank you so much for coming here to do your favorite thing, which is talk about Christmas movies. Where can thank the people you. find you?
3: Uh, at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram, and pre-order the book. There's like a couple Christmas stories in my book, a couple really fun Christmas stories. So it's the book is called How Do I Unremember This?, You can order on Amazon or your independent bookstore or wherever you get your books. And it'll be out March 8th. And then, yeah, my podcast. I have a Christmas podcast called The Very Merry Iconic Podcast that I co-host with my friend Jenna, who writes Hallmark and and Lifetime movies. And so uh, we're in our third season right now and it's really fun
2: i am a very big fan so you should definitely check it out i just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed rated and reviewed 12 gays of christmas of which danny pellegrino is one unless you gave us a bad review then i hate you and the grinch should steal your christmas
3: no everyone go and leave a good review yeah thank you leave
2: a good review that's all i want for christmas all i want for christmas is reviews Uh, Be sure to come back and check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, Morgan's Pop Talks, Exposed, Colon, Dragged Out, and so many more. Visit thedip.com where you can get more pop culture, commentary, and analysis. That's The Dip with two Ps. The second P is for prosthetics.com and follow them on Instagram at thedip. Of course, you can find me at Brian J. Moylan, wherever books are sold, and I'll see you next week. Uh, you guys smell.
0: Here's to the great
1: American settlers. The millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they paid the bills.